O Manos, thou of primal darkness. O Yet, thou who dwelleth in the depth of the universe in the black chasms of night. O Yet, thou who bestoweth the mother darkness upon thy faithful. O Yet, it's time for holy O Manos, hear us, hear us, hear us, for we are faithful and thou art our God. Hello, and welcome to the rules of acquisition. <laughs> acquisition uh i don't know why i said it like that anyways this is a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of star trek deep space nine the best tv show to try to do this another o'brien must suffer and <laughs> kafka-esque and blah 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 yes wait a minute that doesn't describe deep space nine at all <laughs> but it does tonight that's what we're talking about star trek deep space nine we go through every episode yes yeah okay you know the drill maybe maybe you don't if you don't welcome anyways i'll shut up now or will I? My name is Wade Bowen, and with me as always is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. And yeah, we are at the penultimate episode of season two, aren't we? I believe so, yeah. Yes, we are on episode 25 of season two, Tribunal. This episode originally aired June 5th, 1994, and the IMDb description it was rather short. Chief O'Brien goes through the horrific Cardassian judicial system when he is charged for an unknown crime. And that's pretty much it. Not, not much more goes on until the last <laughs> yeah. until the last three minutes of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that about <laughs> much, covers it. Not much more. Right. Yeah, it starts off so bucolic with him going on vacation with his wife and his nice blue civvies. <laughs> it's very nice silk shirt. Yeah, very yeah. It's the nicest. Yeah. And then <laughs> then shit goes down. <laughs> so what well, just uh, early impressions of this episode. Do we have general impressions? Off the top of our head? Uh, yeah, I, I have a quick little diatribe I want to get off, off my chest, like, right at the top. Okay. Because it's pretty much going to set my tone for the whole show as to my feelings about this episode. I watched Deep Space Nine, like, from start to finish <laughs> since the first time it aired in, like, the spring of 2014, all the way through, yeah, I think it took me, I don't know, probably the summer. Mm-hmm. And when I watched this episode... That was the first time you'd watched it? All the way through. I had watched oh, okay. it, you know, in the 90s. Okay. But you know, it was... I don't want our nerd audience to totally suddenly lose all respect for you. No, no. Um, <laughs> and if they do, I understand. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I watched it in two, and this episode I thought was a pretty tight episode. I watched it here in 2016 pretty much horrified. <laughs> pretty much horrified at this because of where we are headed in, in this political climate here in America where we've got an authoritative uh... government who doesn't believe in due process, who doesn't believe in science and depends on the media to make their, you know, to uh, curry favor with the public and who do all this in the name of making people feel safe from, from a criminal element. So, yeah. It seemed like a wave of anxiety just about it. Every act, I would get hit by something that hit a little bit too close to home. This time around in 2016. And I know that we usually stay away from politics on this show, primarily because we don't want it to date the show. Also, I think, but this is what I'm dealing with here in 2016, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit with this particular episode. Guys, what do you think? Yeah, this is... I think that's fair. I think that's fair with this episode. Yeah, this is a very prescient episode. I noticed a few things, too. I was like, mm-hmm. shit, man, for 19... 
1994, like talking about the future. Well, but also, <laughs> Come on. but also talking about the past. The past, yes. So, like, yes, yes, yes. And my biggest thing going through this was in the 90s when I was in high school. I remember it reminded me of. I mean, it's very Kafka esque. It's very. I mean, it, it is. They don't say it in anything that I've read, which I haven't actually read anything with Bill Dial who wrote the script, which I love. Bill, like, I'll talk about Bill Dial in a minute. But that said that it was. I mean, it's it's the trial yeah. by Kafka. I mean, it's... Well, and then also, from my own... It's the trial. Like. It totally is. But my starting point, because I guess I started with Nabokov before I got to Kafka, except for the metamorphosis. Uh-huh. But when I was in high school, I remember, because I was I was into some stuff, and I... No, whatever. Fuck me. I was a nerd in high school. So, yeah, I knew you in high school. Yeah. Uh, invitation to a beheading yeah. by Vladimir Nabokov, which a lot of people say is him doing the trial. But then also, Nabokov, being the asshole that he is, claims that he wrote that book before he'd ever read the trial or was aware of the German you know, like are you serious fuck you Nabokov but that's a whole that's that's a whole other podcast you know that very popular Nabokov <laughs> Kafka that's podcast. for our Nabokov podcast yeah yeah <laughs> no I yeah I wrote my uh, pretty lengthy defense paper in college on Nabokov on Pale Fire right no I wrote it on Lolita but I loved Pale Fire uh, yeah. Pale Fire's the best I went and read Pale Fire last year that's good it has nothing to do with this thing <laughs> no, no sorry sorry tangent so I thought it was pretty brazenly sort of taken from the, the trial it totally was and all of that sort of post-war European sort sort of absurdist theater sort of stuff. And well, I wouldn't call the trial absurdist even, but it's and it's pre World War Two. But I think that it was definitely an influence on Ionesco and yeah, all yeah. of those kind it's of more expressionist yeah, that, than absurdist. Though. Yeah, but I mean I I do think that it was sort of setting up this sort of it's existentialism, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and no, I think that it was the basis for that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And I do think that they thought they were doing sort of a commentary on again with Cardassians and World War II sort of parallels. I think they probably felt that way. I have to say, like, going into it, I, I did feel all of those overtones with, like, your moral panic of, like, where we're living today and where we are. And I do know sort of the literary tradition of it. The one thing I've seen is that I felt like that over the last few episodes, we've been dealing... Ting. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, we've been dealing with Cardassians sort of seeing their logical viewpoint <laughs> in Maquis yeah. and Cardassians early in the season and all the stuff with Garrett and all of those. This seemed like having spent all of that time in the Cardassian culture, this seemed sort of maybe cartoonishly absurdist at points in this episode that that let a little off note, but I, I let that go. I just enjoyed I mean, it's a, it's a fine, it's a great episode. It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, in, in fact, my, my problem with it is not to open the kimono to later, but it, it's too, there's not enough story here. Or there, I'm sorry, there's too much story here for, there's not enough minutes. Right. Mm. And so I, I feel at the end, they were kind of like... I thought this could have been a two-parter easily. Yeah, let's all get back on the runabout and I'll, t- I'll tell you everything I can as fast as I can. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah, yeah. I'll save it till the end, but I have some thoughts yeah. for the end of this episode as well. So no, I, I thought that this this was a particularly good episode and I thought it was particularly prescient. And I also thought it was incredibly well-directed and it was directed by Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks. I Yeah, I was going to bring that up too. Mm-hmm. Mr. Brooks. And the, well, and I was going to say, the acting in this episode is pretty spot on everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, I feel like Avery Brooks is probably an actor 
director's director, if I'm going to go out on a limb yeah. and describe what kind of director, you know, the head of the theater department at Rutgers University is. <laughs> Rutgers. Yeah, no, especially how that scene between O'Brien and Odo oh, yeah. in the cell, I thought that was particular. I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ask this. Do, do the writers at this point in the show think O'Brien is the Kirk of the show? <laughs> like, I mean, you think about all of the situations that he's been put in this season, all of the time. Uh, and uh, regardless of the fact that probably he's the most temperamentally easy to work with and best actor. I, I, I get the feeling that Avery Brooks is obviously he has really high highs. He has pretty unmodulated lows and is probably a chore to work with if you're looking towards getting getting film in the can and getting yeah. the crew out of this off the set. And I imagine that O'Brien is probably pretty fun to buddy around with too. Like just Colmini as a like a yeah, like, Colmini. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard when I was at the convention, I Michael Dorn was talking about him being a baby about wearing certain amounts of makeup and a little bit of prima donna. <laughs> but overall, I feel like you could probably hang out and you know what? And they can give him shit for being a baby about stuff and he'll take it. Yeah. Whereas Mr. Brooks probably doesn't <laughs> work no nonsense you know yeah yeah it's, <laughs> he's like we got to be respectful to mr brooks and it's like yeah. i mean he's great we love what he does but you know what uh-huh. if i'm gonna write a thing i'm gonna write it with o'brien because he's great and also man he guy's a lot of fun probably yeah you'd rather spend your day with your uncle than spend your day with your granddad <laughs> yeah. and i think that probably that's like the difference between the two is that Avery brooks requires a lot of respect and a lot of uh, space and time and sort of pondering sort of things we're probably but it just seems like that the show is so cool meaning you just say hey this is what we're doing he's like yeah and he reads the script and he goes okay yeah i can do that and he brings the he brings the talent i mean like the, i mean that's every scene there was one scene in this was that was really off and that was the arrest sequence which i felt like they mm. every brook should have shot that again mm, maybe like that was the only thing that i thought was pretty off yeah like in tone like keiko and the whole sure do we want to go through and just jump through scene by scene real fast here oh, yeah there's not much to it really yeah, I yeah. Mean, yeah let's do that i just it's starts off there he's walking he's got his blue silk shirt on <laughs> and then and, and, uh, uh he's telling dax about the bay pod production there's a new thing and pod d9 and blah 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 he's got these new criteria who cares but he's a busybody. he doesn't like he do, he doesn't like leaving his job behind that's what yeah he learned. Mm-hmm. then he's walking through the promenade and it's a thing that i've noticed on deep space nine they do things over and over again i've noticed but they do them over and over again in the episode right adjacent to an episode the same thing's happening <laughs> like if you run into a if you there's going to be somebody from from the past that shows oh, up yeah they did that last episode you're right there's good they're gonna bump into somebody on the promenade and go bump there's gonna like oh where you watch where you're walking oh my god you're that person i recognize mm-hmm. last episode it was bajoran collaborator this year collaborator yeah this i'm this year this episode it was o'brien's old friend from the rutledge back when he was in mr the, mustache yeah <laughs> Mr. Mustache Boone from the Cardassian front on the Rutledge and they, you know, set like three. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it's happened a couple times before where. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a routine. Duet that happened. I actually had yeah. to go and look for Mr. Mr. Mustache. I had to go and look. And I don't know if everybody here are MST3K fans, but I was convinced for a while that Mr. Boone was Manos the Hands of Fate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I had so to look up his IMDb because I had I, I that's what I thought he was too. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Oh my god, Tor, Tor, Torgo? No, no, man, no. actual Manos, like oh, actual, wow. like the Manos, the actual like demon character. I only really remember Torgo. Oh, from- you, you need a you need to Google that because he looks yeah. just like him. Doesn't he? Looks he just- <laughs> 
Yes, he does. I he well, looks just, yeah. He looks just like Manus the Handsome Fake. Or a village person, like he's into village people. He looks <laughs> yes, like he also looks like the biker, the leather daddy. Yes, he, he does. I thought that, yeah. One yes. of the two. It turns out he was a guy from Dallas. I don't know. He's not, like, uh, okay. that was the only thing he's in really... Rollerball, yes. Yes, he was in Rollerball. <laughs> he was also the voice of Punisher in the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, uh, hey, how about that? Yeah, it turns out he was mm. a settler on Volon 3, or was he? Which is part of the demilitarized zone. He's in Cardassian territory. And yeah, we've had the Maquis. That's what that is. That's their code. They're, they, they don't ever say the word Maquis, but they're coding it to be Maquis and just to assume that he's Maquis, even in that first scene. Yeah. 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 He's like, oh, I, I settled on Volon 3. He's like, what? Isn't that in the Cardassian territories? He's like, yeah, but the, Cardi- the, the Cardassians don't bother me because I run a Ladarium mining sluice. So as long, and that sets up, I guess that's what the Ladarium is, what the Cardassians use for their antimatter conversions nerd corner. Who cares? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But you see that he uses, Manos uses um, a little recorder to like steal, to record O'Brien's voice and then get into the security parameters. Right. And right. I, I know that these are probably sophisticated recording equipment, but voice ID now can pick up audio recording. Yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> like, it's so like, I don't know, like, I felt like that was a little like, uh, that's, that, shouldn't there be more security parameters than that? <laughs> right. Going back to nerd corner. So they go, uh, he's go, he uses the security to get into a room and that's all you see. And then three, uh, ten minutes later, the intro stops playing and then you see that, <laughs> that they're on a runabout, that Keiko and O'Brien are on a runabout. <laughs> oh yeah, which the ten do, minute, like, Bajoran song and yes. boring credit sequence. <laughs> yes. Do, uh, when crew go on vacation, do they all get a runabout? Yeah, right. Or probably just. How many uh, runabouts does Deep Space Nine, or how many runabouts are, do they have? Uh, you know, there's there's some some people probably listening right now can tell us right now. There's I think probably, there's, there's four. There's, I think there's three or four. Or yeah, yeah. I think then they're each named after like a national park. No, a river. Or, they're all named after landmarks. rivers. Right? Rivers, right? Yes. I thought there was, maybe there's a Yosemite later on. I don't know. There might, there might be. <laughs> uh, I know that. Shit, I'm going to look this up now. But go ahead. <laughs> I know when they got a new, they got a new one a few episodes ago. Right. Because they blew one up in the Armageddon game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they got the the Yangtze and blew we, up, and then they got one. Yeah, so yeah, who cares? But yeah, that. But they give of, them. But, but I guess they give them away for vacations. <laughs> they they you can rent one well, out only to senior staff, probably. Yeah, and you do have to sign out. You do have to sign out on the form, and you do have to give over your like give over your driver's license. You have license. to go up to Avery Brooks and say, "Hey, Dad, can I borrow the car?" <laughs> Yeah. Like, so, All right. Well, just treat her nice and put gas in it. Yeah, and you yeah. have to you have to carry your own insurance while you're on vacation. But <laughs> right, otherwise, right. Uh, but uh, so they go there and they left Molly with the Petersons. Yeah. Or the Joneses were already taken as a name. The Joneses would be too mm-hmm. stereotypical, so they're left with the Petersons. Oh my God! There's so many runabouts, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> even after they get the, even after you don't they want get, me, uh, you don't want me to read them all either. No, but no, no, no they are. They're named after. They're named after rivers, like you said, uh-huh. and and they're the alternate reality one is named after the Yellowstone. So, uh, okay. which is a weird. Why? What? Wouldn't they name it something evil? If, if it was <laughs> an, <laughs> an evil, an evil river sticks, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The runabout <laughs> sticks. 
All right. So I digress. Sorry. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So they're, uh, well, first off, you angry nerd corner again. They're trying to show that O'Brien brought a large workload on vacation with him. So they show him with like 15 iPads. <laughs> right. Like, because they, they couldn't get into the concept that you can store all this on one. It's still a lot of like, <laughs> right. work. Each but, Chilton manual is. So many technical update manuals. <laughs> it has its own iPad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that, yeah. In the future, iPads storage capacity are much smaller. Hey, man, when we get to post-scarcity economics, you can have as many iPads as you want. That's true. They're not like... That's true. And just when uh, just when they're about to fuck in the cockpit of the runabout, Cardassians come and <laughs> yeah, arrest... because I was going to say, yeah, that scene, like, it's a nice, you know, the chemistry between Rosalind Chow and Cole Meany is good no. except for that mm-hmm. kiss man no no it's not good I thought it was fine no I thought it was good because no it's the opposite of a boner <laughs> the kiss was off no but everything around the kiss I thought like no I don't know y'all have wives I have a girlfriend <laughs> but they're like oh t- you, you were talking about we talked about that last night I was like I don't remember that I was in my sleep come on you t- you remember like guy was asleep he said shit he didn't remember <laughs> <laughs> in, I've done that. Yeah, that I thought was actually something. I thought that they were leading me to clues on that, and I and so I I, I thought that that was like them trying to give me clues because oh, he was snap. not remembering conversations. Oh, see, that's gonna like, that's gonna feed back into what I was gonna change. So let's let's remember that. Okay. All right, I'll put a pin in that. Yeah, okay. no, you, you can continue. I'm just like that's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it reminded me of conversations I've had with my significant other. Yeah, you know. no, it exists in that way too. But oh. but yeah, I felt like is that a thing? Yeah, what, but maybe it was that um, replicant O'Brien from, <laughs> from the Whisper or Whispers. <laughs> from Whispers. Or Wait, you know that wasn't me. That was that other O'Brien. But anyway, yeah, I thought everything was fine. But then with their makeout scene, and she's like, "Oh, does this chair recline?" Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're an engineer. But that kiss was just like, all right, here's our faces together. I, I said that this episode was well-directed. I think the scene is absolutely not well-directed. Fair enough. Or not. I thought that the acting in this in this scene was off. And I felt like maybe they were doing it in Golden Hour, as Warren told us about. Maybe, like, there was a rush. <laughs> but, like, yeah. I felt like that... that they specifically the thing that struck out is that Rosalind Chow's scream when they took O'Brien away, when the Cardassians took O'Brien away, I thought was particularly like, come on, let's do this again. That's like that's like a Hammer movie scream. Yeah, I I do I might agree with you that that might be the weakest part. Yeah, of this. But thing. I think it's a fine. Like, I mean, I yeah. think it's a fine episode. Like I, I think it's fine on the pages. Thing I felt like if they had just been able to come back in the next day and reshoot that, that would have probably worked fine. Yeah. Well. The whole my whole thing is like you know what if there's one thing I've learned that's going to be weak in Star Trek Deep Space Nine particularly it's going to be romance yeah <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but I felt like the way it was even on the page actually this wasn't written that badly no 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 because they're a married couple and they've got history whereas new romance these people don't I know guess how I to should, write it this all. is a point to throw but, out the writer of this episode Bill Dial is a one of the founding writers and uh, sort of producers for one of my favorite shows of all time WKRP in Cincinnati whoa <laughs> yes. What? yes no way I don't think he's founded it but he was like he was definitely on the writing staff and he was like a driver did he write the thanksgiving episodes i don't That's yes yes he wrote I... the turkey drive episode oh. he is the iris steven he is the iris steven bear of wkrp in cincinnati oh wow turkey drive is like the, Tur- the one thing i remember about that show I was like, oh, that's yeah no so he wrote turkey drive later on he is apparently he's dead now he's no longer with us but he was close friend he's close friends with jim beaver who's ellsworth from deadwood 
And they did lots of work together on writing and pitching shows. So this guy's done a little bit of everything. So uh, close with Ellsworth, WKRP in Cincinnati. So I'm not going to badmouth Jim Dial at all. He's got a good pedigree. No, I mean. Uh, yeah, anybody who's in with Ellsworth <laughs> yeah, is you're fine with Yeah, you're okay with me. And honestly, this is a pretty well-written episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is, I mean, my, my major problem with this episode is that I needed more episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that maybe we're getting at, the, I think we're getting at the point now where, spoiler alert, alert the the show's about to take off like it's about to launch launch like i think over the next four or five episodes i know going into season three yeah, yeah. this is when the sh- no more alien of the week yes no more holograms on the forehead yeah <laughs> no more cheesy ass away missions yes or miles o'brien googly this should have yeah real this show story starts yeah. shit i mean they still manage to fit in some stinkers every now and then yeah it's not flawless but they're the exception not the the base <laughs> but this is a show in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, that it's about to go into the promised land. And I feel like the, the problem, this show highlights the biggest problem with this show, which is that they don't know what to do with bad episodes. They don't know what to do with good episodes. Mm. And I feel like they have a good episode on their hands here. And I still feel like they rushed through it. And they don't like, they should have known when this was pitched, this was a two-parter. And I feel like that somewhere, like, not knowing that was was a problem for them. Yeah. And and I, I think they fixed that later. But I, I also, I, a lot of this should go at the end, but a lot of why I think it is. Yeah. At this point, they may have even had a budget of how many two-parters they were allowed, you know? That's true. I mean... This is 1994. Serialized television is scary to television back then. Yeah. Because they didn't know what... They didn't expect you to show up every Friday or whatever day of the week this came on to watch this show. So, I mean, like, I, I get that serialization is more of a modern concept. Yeah. But anyway, so like going back to this. So Comini's arrested. So they take O'Brien off. Yeah. He's arrested. They pull his... Send him to Cardassia. We get that. They pull his tooth out. Yeah. This isn't the first time we've gotten that Cardassian backdrop. No, it's not. Never mind. I mean, it's... Is it? This is the first time since Chain of Command where you've seen, and it's not the same set, but where you've seen a lot of this shit. Yeah. Where you've ever seen Cardassians on like Cardassian turf doing Cardassian things. I feel like that. This is the only time that it's the first time that we've seen Cardassia Prime. That's the first time you see that painting of. of I think I think we see it one. Maybe yeah. I thought we saw it earlier. Whenever Goldu taught uh, didn't start a war, but could have. I think that might have been the one time we saw that exterior. I could be wrong. I'm splitting hairs, but you're you're right. Yeah, I don't. This I, is the first time we're on Cardassia Prime, and we're kind of getting an idea of what they are like. Uh-huh. You know, as a yeah, culture. this is really deep into fleshing out what Cardassian culture and why Cardassians are like they are. Yes. And yeah, he gets arrested. We get a rehash of that Four Lights episode. Yeah. Straight down to the chair where, yeah, the stripping them down, like the cutting the clothes off of them. They did that with Picard. And mm. though I will say when they did it, which was a two-parter episode for Picard's yeah. naked Cardassian trial. But when they strip, <laughs> a difference between when they do it, did it to Picard and when they did it to Colmini, when they did it to Picard, it was so fucking homoerotic. It was sexy as fuck. <laughs> this time, it's just like it's not. There's nothing, nothing sexy about it. It's like mm. they're viol. I mean, they're violating Picard too, but in a sexy way. That's oh, I'm. I feel gross now. I'm sorry. 
Like, <laughs> there, there, I feel like I have to apologize. There, there was less. But, there was less uh, subtext to this one. Mm-hmm. But they do tear. They do tear his, his shirt, which was from Express and was probably pretty expensive when he bought it in 1994. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, that that Picard episode, the, everything's shot at, from the level of his junk. I think that's why yeah. I'm so, so sexy. And you have two actors <laughs> so who are more prone to put sexuality into things i think i mean it's yeah no one thinks of picard that way but we all think of patrick stewart that way i think sure sure yeah. putting but i mean it's blatant david, well i don't and david warner watch that next generation david warner puts sex on everything yeah so yeah. yeah but i think that that might have been acting maybe i just did something maybe i just telegraphed something to our audience but but seriously go back and watch that next generation what is it chain of command Hugh, maybe when they wait, strip him down it's all crotch shots wait maybe there's angles from that level. maybe there's parts of you you need to explore <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe I feel like <laughs> maybe maybe you use this as a touchstone to to explore like more about who you are and what you want out of things. Nah. <sighs> shit, guys. Okay, shit. I got. I got. A, I got. I got a lot of things I got to talk think about. <laughs> um, so, okay. So they go into like a thousand scenes, like explaining like the Cardassian legal system. Right. That he's not going to be told. They cut off some of O'Brien's hair. Yes. Which they can't do with Picard. That's true. So. They could they Yeah, they couldn't do that. So they, they go through all of these sequences. See, you know, honestly, they, we don't know what Picard's working with down, down below. Oh. Right? So they, they probably got their hair. <laughs> they, yeah, you're right. He's got that hairy chest. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. The, the, I don't think Colmini had. Am I right in thinking that once Colmini gets arrested, don't they make reference to like, isn't Picard activated into being a part of this just off screen? Didn't they say that we moved the Enterprise? Huh? Uh, yeah, they called in a bunch of ships, and one of them was the Enterprise. Oh yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah the the Enterprise, the Prokofiev, <laughs> and the Valdemar. Yes, have to go to the DMZ to show a display of force. Yes, so there's a some sort of ancillary story telling the storyline of what the Enterprise D did. Oh no, there is most definitely a novel <laughs> out about this. I guarantee <laughs> yeah. you. You don't know for you're making a probably pretty safe guess, right? Or do you know for sure? Yeah. No, I, I this is just a guess, but come on. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're telling no. me that it's it is safe. actually this is the yeah. first episode to air after the last episode of Next Generation. Oh. Okay, that's why they did it. It's because fans are dying for those yeah. little scraps mm-hmm. of Enterprise info. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you that's what it was. Yeah, totally. That was a little bit of fan service yeah. to remind you that your friends could pop up <laughs> maybe at any time <laughs> right? this episode and that you should stay tuned. Yeah, if we had the budget you might see picard right yeah, now, exactly you won't and the, another reason maybe why it's not so sorry to get back to my hang-ups you know i'm just i'm just talking this up for the podcast you know that. sure it's a part you play on television <laughs> but it's not quite so homoerotic because the archon that comes in is not a, it's chief archon Mont- what the Bar. fuck are you talking about that's the lady's name He's talking about the oh the lady yeah, judge okay. the judge judy yeah she's chief archon uh-huh. Mockbar, and which is one of the we've seen cardassian females but we haven't really seen them that much this is the strongest Cardassian female we've seen. Yeah. And also, going back to the Kafka, Nabokov thing, for some reason, a lot of the set design reminded me of, I couldn't find it, but there's like an old liquid television short, I remember, I thought, where they do weird puppet shit, and she looks like one of those weird puppets from like a Kafka metamorphosis 
liquid television short mm. from the 90s that I remember in my head. I don't know. Probably totally manufactured and not actually exist. But Okay, um, the set, and this, there may have been like, they might have been robbing from the same thing. The set, where they say when they constructed it, was designed with the, I think it's 1984 version of 1984, the one with John Hurt and Richard Burton. Oh, yeah. The sets were based on those trial sequences at the end of that movie. Huh, interesting. So the liquid television, like if that's true with liquid television, they may have been both stealing from the same source. Yeah. But that's how the sets were constructed, and that's how Avery Brooks, you know, particularly had fun with angles there. Yeah, there's a lot of angles. Yeah. Especially at the end, I felt like with Comini in the witness chair, where it struck me as like a Darth Vader in his little breathing pod. Oh, yeah. It's all white interior in like an egg shape, but then black everywhere else. But yeah, that's... Oh, and his, his costuming, I loved yeah, that's good the stuff. costume choices they put him in after they get him naked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. we get uh, Nipple Corner, uh, it's, it's O'Brien's nipples again so not much that's going on in nipple corner this week <laughs> right james uh james nipple cor- nipple nipple review i mean it's <laughs> it's o'brien's same nipples you, you only see his butt you do yeah yeah i mean you see you see back fat you see it like a lot of this isn't a full body critique but it's just the nipples and it's it, it may be slightly <laughs> improved over last time we saw his nipples but basically the same sort of deal so. I, didn't, I didn't i just like that they put the, and it sells more like cardassian justice system they put him in a black, like, evil-looking outfit. Yeah. It looks like almost like a still suit or something from Dune. It does. It <laughs> looks exactly like that from Dune. Yeah, no. Yeah, so... And it makes sense, because they want the defendant who's already proven guilty before they... Mm-hmm. Assumed guilty, you know, in contrast to the American justice system, but, like presumed innocent no you're presumed guilty and then you're never not guilty once you're charged but as also we're gonna make him look like a bad guy for theater it up for the kids you know yeah so he's got this farcical almost too farcical like way too farcical but well played by classic twilight zone actor by the name of fritz weaver but he it's too farcical of an an attorney whose job it is to lose and they sort of play that up but i never really conservator kovat conservator yeah kovat and i never really but then odo sort of worms his way onto being something called a nester yeah what what is that i know that they wanted that's the character from the nintendo power magazine isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i believe that's the name of the robot that andy milanakis plays on Adventure Time is named <laughs> Nestor. I'm pretty sure that's right. So, like, I don't... They, it was the most undefined role. It sounds like he's a witness's best... Or a defendant's best friend. But, like, he's allowed all of these these accesses to the court. But, like, basically there's a whole sequence where Odo just kind of takes over as lawyer while they're telling him that he can't do that, but he keeps doing that. Right. Well, that's because it's televised and he's yelling and uh, hey, that's just like, hey, we've seen that. And so noted. he's <laughs> manipulating the television audience to like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the conservator is a lawyer yeah. who's supposedly arguing for the defense. And the Nestor is the one that's supposed to just also argue for the Yeah, it's like there's no real distinction to it. I mean, they're both of their jobs just technically to... It is, it is, the definition is the oldest and wisest of the Greeks in the Trojan War and a king of Pylos. So I think that some sort of wise position, I think that's, yeah, some sort of, somebody got out the encyclopedia when they wanted to make up a role that wasn't a counselor or wasn't a, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. And somebody in the writer's room is like a nester. Right. You know, yeah. So I, maybe I like to think that Jim Beaver came up with that. <laughs> 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 I'm sure it's 
It's fine. Take, yeah, uh, it's you fine. know, I'm sure the Cardassians are really big on Greek. Everybody yeah. knows that <laughs> right, mythology, right. Roman shit. Yeah, no, I. You're right. It just I. I felt like that yet again. This is one of those things where this episode just needed more time. I felt like that role could have been just a line or two. Just help me out to better understand where Odo's parameters are, but. But I but they didn't. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, both of their jobs are technically to just get the accused to yeah. own up and say, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Let me be an example for Cardassia." That's true, and they're smart yes, enough to know not to dissect the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. That it's got an effect. This absurd absurdism of the court system has an effect in not explaining things. And so, I mean, they're smart to let that wash over you, but there's also a plot I got to follow underneath it, you know, where it's not like, it's not like. So uh, you need everything to make sense, whereas they need a reason to get Odo in the courtroom. That's exactly, you're you're exactly (laughs) right. I just, I felt like they felt like a line or two could have helped me navigate that where Odo. I'll just assume that like, yeah. Odo's got to be there. He's Why, a master five. You're right. But Odo could have explained to O'Brien. That's two characters that would have explained, had that conversation. But but they have enough to do in that one scene that it's it's fine. But one of my little things is I, I would have liked a little, little more help to understand the, the whodunit element. Like who did the crime that O'Brien is being accused of. I feel like I had to do a lot of work on that part of the storyline to make it make any sense and then but you have the but it would have retract detracted from this absurdist theater sort of element to the trial yeah yeah that is the the core of the show the core of the episode right, right. yeah so yeah. you don't want to fuck with the that. point yeah. isn't what happened or how it happened it's just it's you know i agree with you on that yeah you're on try it's you know it's kafka it's invitation to a but, the end, for- but, it, but they at the end of the day they still had the you know the ending still has to make sense and I or, or not, you could have went that way. But they here's went. here's the thing: is the the Nestor is is an opportunity to like deepen the world building, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like it's a little bit of a missed opportunity. And I feel like that's a little bit where you are, your your aggravation is coming from. If it did something to like give a little flourish to the world in which they're inhabiting, it would have been a lot more satisfying than mm-hmm. just a, a, an open move just to put Odo in the second and third act. Yeah. I think a good comparison to what this episode could be is the Next Generation episode with two episodes with Spock about going to Romulus. Do y'all yeah, where he's the ambassador, Spock, yeah. Yeah, he's ambassador, but he's went missing, and he's turned up in, in Romulus. And so you have to understand about this sort of Romulan underground and you have a lot to work with, but you're sort of seeing the Romulan homeworld for the first time and how it operates. But you also understand like that, that there's this diversity of culture and there's a group of like essentially like liberals that are working underground. Yeah. And, I, mean, I, and, I, and I don't want all of that. I'm not saying they that they don't have to do Tolkien in every episode. No, 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 though, no, yeah. no. I'm saying that this episode has a lot of plot. Mm-hmm. There's a whole thing with the Maquis and the not Maquis and who Manos the Hands of Fate is and all of that stuff. There is a lot of plot in this episode out underneath. Yeah, yeah. We get Gol Evec, who is the yeah. the requisite Maquis goal. Yeah, you have all of this stuff going on with all of these moving pieces underneath this just O'Brien is suffering the worst dumb shit. Not dumb like the storyline is dumb. It's dumb that it exists, it's real. I mean, it's like puppet courts exist. And he's going through that and like the exasperation and the panic and the fear and and the fatality that he has to sort of undergo all of that is there. And I don't want that touched really. 
that's good. Mm-hmm. I just all of this stuff underneath it's just it's undeveloped and maybe i'm not saying that i want you know i want super micro micro defined everything i just i wish all that was more developed too because that's uh, yeah. that's deep space nine stories too <laughs> like you know yeah there is a lot going on underneath the surface of this absurdist trial that works you know the, the absurdist trial works yeah yeah technically i guess a nestor is just an aid to the defendant slash prosecutor yeah but then odo goes in like going way back because this is another o'brien must suffer episode which there's a lot of those (laughs) and we've had a few you know like the whispers episode we had several episodes they actually considered this the first one the writer's room considers this the first one yeah i was gonna say this is the first big one because that whispers episode is actually not o'brien but a replicant (laughs) yeah but also one of the things we wanted in that was like the full odo interrogation scene of o'brien like a la blade runner interrogation Mm-hmm. where they're asking but you get a pretty good that talking about the acting in this episode like that that Odo first appearance as the Nestor when he's talking to O'Brien and he's mm-hmm. investigating and he's asking them all these questions like to make sure because at first Odo Odo doesn't he doesn't hold anything back like when Keiko is when they're back on when she goes back to on DS9 and she's like talking to Cisco about what are they going to do to my husband he told me about how awful the Cardassians were what they did to prisoners are they going to don't sugarcoat it for me and and Cisco's like, well, I don't know. Odo is like, oh, yeah, they're going to torture him. That's protocol. Yeah. He doesn't play around. In it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I also love that they all kind of reached a conclusion that if one of them was going to join the Maquis, it was probably going to be O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Kira's like. They're oh. unflinchingly. Oh, nah. Now we're getting into what I would change again. Uh, okay. I think we're 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 really circling the there's chum okay. in the water here, guys. I'm circling. Wait, wait, I, okay, because like. But there's... anyway, but but my main my main point was, and then you you have that great scene where he's just like, yeah, Keiko, they're gonna torture the fuck out of him, mm-hmm. and then when he goes <laughs> he goes and talks to O'Brien, he's like, I don't know, this guy might be guilty. And then he asked him all these questions. Oh, and they have such, I mean, there's some some great lines in there. Like, uh, oh, I, I wanted my daughter to be able to look at me. Nobody has ever questioned my loyalty. I took an oat. Took an oath. <laughs> He's got an Irish accent. Yeah. His, his, no, yeah. I took an oath. An oath. I took an oath. That scene may be one. I mean, it's definitely a top five best acted scenes in the show so far. Oh, yeah. I need my little girl to... Wake up in the morning and look up at me and see a man she can respect. And it may, and I think it's like a higher one. I mean, I, that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> well, but you start when I started still thinking about it. I mean, there's necessary evil. There's duet. There's there's good. There's well acted sequences. <laughs> there's those two. The, no, there's, there's some good those, stuff in there. There's some... I liked Blood Oath a lot, apparently. But that was a that was two actors doing. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah, TV. two of the best actors on the show doing some. Some of the best work that we've seen, mm-hmm. and supernaturalistic. So it wasn't like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, they were, but yeah, they were both really rooted in what they were doing. So. Yeah, like, oh, and you know, like, hey, being a, being accused of a crime is not a disgrace. Mm-hmm. Some of the great figures of history have shared that fate. You know, that line, Odo's delivery is so much better than my mm-hmm. almost rhyming couplet version of this. Yeah, and <laughs> being accused of a crime is not a disgrace, Chief. Some of the great. Figures of history have shared the honor with it's you. It's another one of those sequences that they sort of that trope that they fall onto that I like. It's a trope I like where it's that all of Odo's altruism is sort of like hard earned. Yeah, yeah. Like he has to like really like work, you know, he has to put you through your paces. But then once once you've earned it, he's all in. 
Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. and I like I like that about his character and yeah. that this is another episode where they developed that. Some of those men that were accused of crimes, not all of them were martyrs cuz like I don't want to be a martyr. Like not all of them were martyrs. Not all of them died. Some of them were just innocent men just like you. Like you. And then O'Brien is like, mm-hmm. what, whoa, oh, oh, what? You believe me? He's like, yeah. Uh, you believe me? Because yeah. Odo can read people. He's good at it. Yeah, it's yeah. a great scene. Mm. He can't make ears. Yeah, yeah. But like, he can yeah, read he can, people. Yeah. That's, um, that's his own psychological block, I've said. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, but like, but my Nestor thing is after coming to this, like, he's so like gums up. The card, the vaunted Cardassian legal system that it was kind of like, I can't tell. I can't tell what the parameters of when they're not used to a non-Cardassian being in it. Like he's not brought up. Yeah, that's true. In that system, like she's taken for a loop that he's eligible at all. She's like, oh, okay, because he was. I don't. I wouldn't have wanted this in the episode, but it does seem like the Federation would have probably had a legal diplomat take control of this situation. Well, they couldn't though because you can't. You're not eligible to be a Nestor. Unless you're been given authority by the Cardassian court, and by virtue of his history on Tarak Noir, he is part of the Cardassian court, so therefore he can be a Nestor. But that also, we are getting in a little bit of what I would change too at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that legally, if you were like this treaty, the treaty with Cardassia is supposed to be like very similar to other treaties we have on Earth uh, between nations, and treaties do allow, like, if you find accused. Another country soldier of committing a crime. There is like a functional legal system that's not of one nation that gets to be a part. Yeah, like, but the galaxy is a big place, and even Odo brings that up later. I just have a hard time because when he's in, he's on trial. He's like he's playing dumb. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know the rules. He totally knew what he's doing. Where he's talking back and saying, I didn't know. And then he's like, wait a minute, no, this happened on non-Cardassian territory. I I say that we should have the court trial be back on uh, Bajoran. You're right! And why wasn't that brought up immediately? Because they stole them. They couldn't do that. Like, I just they feel have like O'Brien. They can't once do the that. situation started, it was like, Cisco was like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? They take my guys, they tell them they commit crimes, what are you gonna do? Well, one, that screws up the whole plot of the story, and two, they've got, you know, possessions nine-tenths of the law. No, I understand that. I understand they can't do it story-wise. <laughs> I'm just saying that part of me is like, what is the point of even being like an intergalactic federation anymore? <laughs> like, like you have to suffer all of these fucking indignities and having your guys just sort of taken off and like without that's, even that's, due that's what, process. That's part of being an evolved human, man. Maybe we couldn't deal with that now, but <laughs> the federation is so much better. That that's humanity evolved, right? I'm just saying that they are ripe for a Trump-like <laughs> figure to come over and just totally fuck up the yeah, federation. That's called the Maquis, what are you right? gonna do? They're taking our soldiers. They're laughing at us. They're treating us. They're so weak. We're so weak now. Yeah, that's the Maquis. The Federation used to be great. Yeah, the days of Kirk are gone. Used to be you could just uh, slap a pregnant lady. You can't even do that anymore. Would Kirk would Kirk would have put up with that, Captain Kirk? No, yeah, no. So like that that was my little thing is that there surely is some sort of apparatus to the Federation to deal with this. But you're right, you're right. It would be a big fucking complication to the episode. But like, no, I, I, where are we at? Are we near the end? Yeah, we, we can we can shoot through. Uh, Let's deal with Manos. So it I, turns out that they start running a little investigation on Deep Space Nine. Uh, Avery Brooks and I don't know. Oh, oh, let's talk about this goofy scene. So they think that they find Manos the Hands of Fate because he should be in the Maquis. He fits all of the sort of codifiers of the Maquis. They arrest him and they inquis- they interrogate him and he's not talking. 
So then Bashir goes back to his office. Oh, yeah. And all of his lights are turned off and he can't turn the lights on. And in there is the Maki who've apparently acquired Batman powers. And tell them, tell while well, one of them is standing behind Bashir that he is not Maki. Yeah. Because, well, Maki, man, they've infiltrated the Federation. They got people on the oh. inside. They can do that shit. That was, that was a, okay, here's a, two things about that scene. One, you're right. It was ridiculous. But the second thing is, on the other side, that scene, the alternative would have been Bashir in front of a screen talking to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> that's how else they would have done it. So I give them points for nice and like not having another Skype session to move the plot along. <laughs> At least it was a little cinematic. It was a little innovative you know a, i mean it, was, it had intrigue it had yeah. intrigue yeah. yeah i'll give we have to give them a little bit of props for that even though it was the ridiculous but if you're gonna get and then i swear at the end of it it's like he goes uh, like you're in a you're in an enclosed space station yeah. you can track this fucker down he didn't jump out no, the window you can't, babe, like that's you get too nitpicky you i think can't defend any you will defend anything on the show tell you what <laughs> now here's my here's my explanation the maquis have infiltrated the they got people in all the federation he went off he ran off but he could have just gone off he just went off camera and he got teleported like that we got teleported trans if you can get into the systems and o'brien's not there to run system diagnostics and know when somebody even does this shit especially you got people in maquis that are as good as o'brien that could probably just teleport a motherfucker out of there real fast problem solved yeah i'll buy that you know I think that that this is where another instance where if it was two episodes long, you could have had some, Uh you could have made that work a little bit better. It's easier to explain away shit like that through techno babble than requiring that they just to calling bullshit on. It would have been too easy. I guess I'm just saying techno babble Star Trek shit to, to do anything. Who cares? I think this is an argument that we often sort of find ourselves in is that, yeah, there are ways to, it's still weird. Yeah, but because we're worried, <laughs> like that scene was still weird. There's ways to explain it away, but like, yeah, th- but why get hung up on the nerd corner shit when, and when you could just say explain it away and just worry about the story? I'm not. But if you're gonna sneak up on, on anybody, it's believable that Bashir would be the easiest one. That's true. Like, there's you're right. Levels, I would agree with there, you on that. I would agree cer- with you on that. There's certain levels, like Gal Dukat. Nope. Can get to the final boss of Deep Space Nine, <laughs> Cisco. He can get into Cisco's room, right? <laughs> the Maquis uh-huh. can get into like the highest they could go is probably the infirmary on DS9, where there's probably the least amount of security. So I mean, uh-huh. it that is sort of bully and the biggest buffoon running it. So you know, and and they can control all the light systems. Probably. Yeah, why not? They can. You just need a good engineer to do that. That's simple. I guess I'm just saying that if I'm not discounting the idea that the Maquis have that kind of power, I guess I'm saying that the show is granting them that kind of power, I feel, without thinking about it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with so, you, but I think the alternative would have been much worse. And I, an idea. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> you can't. You can't microthink everything. You just need something to happen. You make it happen. No, I my argument is is that no, I'm saying that I don't think I think they if thought we don't this micro-think up. Microthink everything. This podcast is over <laughs> in two minutes. Yeah, I mean like well, our whole thing on. is talking no, about like, their story that, means, not angry nerd corner stuff. It's right, right. No, I'm no wait, I'm I'm view what the point I'm making as a story thing. Like I felt like I don't like yeah, you can explain it away on an angry nerd corner techno babble thing. My point is is that I think that story wise it was goofy. I think that like 
go back and do that. Go back and write. Like, how would you have fix fixed that? It? Like, I know it's what we would change, but how would you change that scene to make it work? I better? don't know, but I don't have an hour. I to make <sighs> that the necessary thing happen where they get the knowledge that he's not Marquis. How would you do that better than what they did? Out of, uh, I I don't know. I mean, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't I don't I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, give, give me 15 minutes, and I'll like. <laughs> you, you I got, in how, how about a ship? How about a ship? A ship is in a pylon. They have a medical emergency. They call Julian into the ship, and then they they disappear. Julian just to give him that message. That and then they tell him, you know, and then they transport him back onto ops, and he's got to, and everybody before everybody realizes he's even gone. But then you know? what? We we didn't see that mm-hmm. ship come in to. Don't they have trackers and Deep Space Nine for oh, ships? I'm sure. Come? I'm sure you could just be. You could be like, you know, it you seems could, more problematic. Two lines of dialogue could. I don't. Know, there's there's stuff you could do that would would have been more interesting and action packed. Other than him, like the Maquis, all of a sudden having Batman powers, <laughs> it is a little ridiculous. But I, I'm somewhere in the middle of you guys. You know, Wade, you obviously seem to think it was fine. James, you think it's silly. I think it's fine and silly. Uh, <laughs> I think it's I think it's a serviceable thing that's pretty silly. I would have tried to like uh, given given Quark a scene, maybe Quark. Yeah, he's a back channel. Could yeah, that's a good he's call. a back channel. Yeah, that's it. That's a that, great. That, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, and you work somehow that that and I you know you I, for some reason they don't want to throw Garrick into this, but that would have been weird. But Garrick wouldn't have had contacts with the Maquis, but but Quark would have. And does. Does he? Well, well yeah. the, the sexy... But yeah, him, him having yeah. back channel access would have been made sense. Yeah, you're right. So that was just, I mean, you're right. Visually, it was an interesting sequence, and it makes the Maquis seem tough. It seems like they were doing that without thinking. And then, where are we at? Uh, oh, so they find out that the guy is really, like, that Man of the Hands of Fate is really a Cardassian and has been for, like, eight years. Yeah, since, since Setlick 3. The original Manos was... Since Setlake Three, before before even Colmini knew him, or no, they during. knew each other on Setlake Three. They went through some no, shit. He knew they, the he knew the real one. Yeah, he uh, yeah. Col they Mini. were on the Rutledge together right. in the Cardi Wars, and then Setlake Three is when that's what led them both to. That's what led Boone to quit the Federation, and that's what got O'Brien further in. He was committed because Setlake Three was like a big battle, apparently. That so wait wait wait, but. He was a Cardassian for some period while he was still actively friends with O'Brien, right? Because why else would they know, would they have all of the details about O'Brien's racism? Well, that's because the Obsidian Order... I thought that came from Manos the Hands of... Well, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, Cardassian intelligence is pretty good. They can probably get that shit, you know? You're right. But I mean, like, it seems They know to... what Julian had for breakfast. They, yeah. they could probably get... Yeah, but I, I, I thought that that was one of the things is that maybe he was... That he was a mark. It, okay. They sent that kid back uh, from the Cardassians episode, the Who's Coming to Dinner episode, got sent back to Cardassia. He could tell them about how much that guy hated the Cardassians. Like, that's how they bonded, you know? There's plenty of ways for them to know that O'Brien's a racist. <laughs> but I thought that that was, this is why, okay, this is what I would change about this episode, because the ending is so damn rushed. All right, that I don't, let's, let's get like, to, let's get yeah, into that. Go in. for it. Well, 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 yeah, I mean, okay, we're just at the ending of this episode and trying to sort of understand it. Like, my biggest issue with what I would change about this episode is that the ending, all of these things I've been nitpicking on that needed more detail, nothing needs more detail than the ending. <laughs> the biggest thing is that they walk Manos into the court trial, and then the, the judge, and I get that there's TV, and I get it enough that I understand what they were trying to do, but she just she just gives up. She says, we're going to let O'Brien go back to the Federation, and it's over. 
Yeah. Without that's a scene. A scene needed to take place. Well, there wasn't even a there I may interject real quick. I know you're in the middle of your change, yeah. but like yeah. she didn't even telegraph as an act like make an actor choice yes. to telegraph what's going on internally with the character in that moment. So as a result, you're sort of like left in the dust. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. My what would I change? I think hinges on the exact same scene. Okay. I think my so I think what I would change would be different, but you're kind of dovetailing into a similar territory, then, right? Yeah, I think I think all of us th- agree that this was a pretty strong episode, and that maybe the ending was the weakest part. So I'm I'm curious to see. Yeah. We probably might all have things to change about the same thing that might be different. I don't know. No, actually, my my I think the weakest part for me is up at the beginning. And it goes into what I would change. But go go ahead, James. Finish finish this. Okay. Wrap it up. Wrap well, that. Up. Okay, you just, I just think that this scene, there needed to be a scene where in the situation, in the in the height of the tension, of the climax of all of the sort of emotional shit with O'Brien and Keiko and Odo and all of these fucking Cardassians, you bring Manos into it. You At no point do they say he's a Cardassian, so you don't know that as a viewer. Yeah, you do. Everybody in the room wouldn't know that except for whoever's in on the... the I don't know if the judge knew that. I guess she did. Yeah, they share I, a look. I assume that... The, yeah, I, <laughs> yes. But we already yeah. know that he's a Cardassian. I feel like that was established. No. Nope. Hmm. Nope. That's the next scene. That's the next scene when they're telling O'Brien that. You do not know. You know something's up. It was something's up because he wants to do a exam. Julian wants to examine his body. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that they didn't, I, but they don't. That's not information. They walk you to the door, but they don't give you the information. So you don't know that he's a Cardassian. I mean, we suspect. I mean, I, I, I've seen the episode before. so right. I, you know. Maybe I can't dissolve, I can't set it aside from what I already know, maybe. But. Yeah. So you don't know that. But you figure it out. And maybe. there's all, like, that needed to be, that, yes, but, like, when it's not fucking important. Well, I think there's something to be said for being a mystery of, like, what just happened, and then, then you're filled in. I think there's, I don't know. There's. Like, I don't know. There's no, like, the stakes don't unravel on the playing field. So, like, it's, uh, holy shit, O'Brien's going to die. Oh, Manos walked in. Holy shit, O'Brien's not going to die. You know, everybody gives each other weird looks. Yeah, but you're like, what the fuck just happened? Why why, why is he not going to die now? What happened? Oh, my God, I am I have questions. Oh, here you go. Here are your answers. There's a certain amount of drama to but that. But the answers are in an answer scene where everybody's just like, well, that was a crazy adventure. What happened back there? Yeah, yeah. There's not like, no, that, that shit needed to happen in conflict, within conflict. And that needed to be what is going on here. And obviously the Cardassian judicial system is trying to hide that they've been sticking out Federation spies. That's a problem. That they've been taking people and killing them and putting Cardassians in their place. And those people are still walking amongst Federation citizens. That's a problem that they would want to shield. Which, by the way, is a problem that Cisco uncovered and doesn't make a deal about. Yeah, see, that's but, that, uh, that gets into what I would change. But, <laughs> but for me, it's like we have all these puzzle pieces that we set for you. Like, oh, Bashir needed to do this thing. Like, wanted the biological thing. We know he's not my key. We know that something goes in. Oh, they share a look. So it's like left for the viewer to piece together. Oh, my God, what just happened? You've got all these clues to try and figure it out on your own, whether you do or not. That's when they have the post climax scene where they're just like okay you didn't figure it out well here's the answer (laughs) but i I, do have yeah things but what's the point of bringing what's the point of o'brien's suffering what's the point of bringing him to that point if there's not catharsis 
What's the point of bringing all of the system to that point if there's not catharsis? And they're so close to doing it. Yeah, they're I agree. So close. I, I agree that there that's what is lacking is because it just ends on a joke. But I, I disagree about what... And normally, this is the time in an episode where I would say that they wasted time somewhere. And if you could get five minutes back somewhere else, you could put five minutes here, which is my ultimate thing is this episode is 15, 15 minutes too short. Probably 20 minutes too short, but 15 minutes too short because we like to talk about how sprawling Deep Space Nine is with and you have the Maquis, you have the 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 Cardassian Federation Alliance, you have the Cardassian Bajoran issues, you have all of these different issues, you have Odo's weird sort of tie that he's still a Cardassian officer of the court, but he's now a fe- you have all of this stuff that's in that's shoved into this story that that's not what the story's about. The story's about O'Brien facing the Cardassian backward legal system but all of this stuff is there there's lots of these emotional con- like yeah. confluences there's that are there for- so let's take chain of command the original Cardassians fucking punishing someone episode you have all of the shit with david werner and and picard you have all of that shit in the room and then there are four lights but you also have all of the shit with ronnie cox and the ship and all of that stuff and both get to run parallel so it makes sense as like a Star Trek overarching sort of mythos story, but you also get this sort of core story about the torture of Picard and all of that kind of stuff. That was what this episode should have... This episode was good enough to carry that kind of gravitas of Chain of Command, where you have Cisco leading this very complicated problem, like, you know, mystery thing, while in it... Odo is suffering this absurdist theater clown trial that is horrifying and shades of Nazism and fear of future fascism and all of those kinds of things get to sort of play out. And then I felt like that would have been more satisfying without us feeling like we rushed through Maquis and we rushed through Cardassian-ish, Cardassian, Cardassian spies. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I feel like, so I feel like this, this needed like 15 more minutes. More, maybe. I could have dealt with uh, 15 more minutes, sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it would have been great because I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. I'll take 15 more minutes, sure. Yeah. This, my whole point is this episode is good enough to hold more. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, and it just was rushed, I felt. But what would you change about the, the sort of ending sequence? Well, my whole thing was, yeah, you're right. It just feels like they just come in. The fact that they come in with a guy and the court shuts down all of a sudden, I did feel like it did need more like the Federation just rolls over. They could push this and have (laughs) shit change a little bit. You know, like they're just like, hey, you you held our guy. That's fucked up what you did to O'Brien. We're not going to stand for this. But they're like, oh, we got him back. We'll we'll just let the status quo go, Mm -hmm. which maybe that gets into some Federation bullshit where they've got to let this culture do its own thing. But especially O'Brien, I feel like would be like, you know, once he gets home, once he gets out of there anyways, he's just glad to be not in Cardassian detention anyways. But once he gets back into DS9, I feel like he'd have been like, why didn't you push that shit? Maybe we could have inflicted some change on Cardassian. Uh-huh. You just like, oh, we realized that they didn't want to fuck up the... They were gunning to get the treaty thrown out and get all those Volos three territories and all the Maquis out of the demilitarized zone. It's like, oh, and once we got that, we had them under a hook, and that's why we got you back. Yeah. Yeah, you had them by the balls, and you just let them go. Exactly. And, like, if I were O'Brien, I'd be like, hey, for all that shit I went through, I want something to happen for it. Instead, you just let them go on and, like, oh, you know, 
it feels like they could have done something, you know, like just don't wimp out so fast, you know? Yeah, no, the whole the whole unraveling is, is huge. That you have the Cardassian legal system actively trying to overthrow a th- treaty. And one of the things that comes out of your investigation to fix that is that there are covert spies that are, that yes, were made before the treaty was signed, but they're still roaming around. Yeah, and uh, this is a, one of the issues I meant to bring up earlier. This is the first trans species. We've, we've talked on the podcast about trans speciesism. This is the first. Ex- mm-hmm. This is the first example of it we've had in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and it turns out to be a thing later on. No spoilers, a but huge it's, thing. It's not yeah. a something that just happens. This is the first time we've got a Cardassian that is engineered to look like a different race. Yeah, and that's huge. Yeah, you know? and that's that. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, no. So that's what I, this. But at yeah, the same time, like, I feel like we're holding. Yeah. If this were a season one episode, we'd be like, "Oh, this episode." We're, I mean, and you know, rightfully so. Probably our standards are getting a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. No, my whole point with this episode is that it's better. It's a great idea. It's well executed. They have all of the ideas in front of them. I think that probably even the writer and crew would have loved to have made it a two part. Yeah, yeah. I just think that it's when you it keeps it from feeling satisfying to me and I, I wished you know in that and I don't know like I, it's a good episode it, it could have been a great episode it could have been chain of you know, I'd see personally I would almost throw it into great episode territory I felt like it waffled at the end but it seems to me like for slightly different reasons we disagree a little bit which is fine well the thing that I would change is basically the beginning <laughs> I had a real problem with a lot of the the mystery I mean, we all know O'Brien didn't do this shit. Yeah. But they treat the second act as if it's a big fucking mystery that maybe he did. And that's actually interesting television. They could have fixed the whole problem with not showing the the scene where the guy is in the broom closet with playing back the recorder to himself. Yeah, you're right. Oh, you're right. If you take take that one five-second scene out, the rest of it works works because you don't know you're right because yeah maybe o'brien is it yeah what if he is my key because he's got because it makes a lot his racism is a thing in this episode and it's yeah. actually it's, it's confronted yeah, it's a weaponized against him too and and those, yeah and we've talked about it on the show right it's the thing we've he talked did. about yeah he, you're right he did it he didn't learn a lesson either i don't think i think he's just he's probably even more racist against cardassians after the- <laughs> yeah i would be too i mean he says see, see like, honey i told you them fucking cardies yeah those right. bloody cardies can't be trusted <laughs> you agree with that don't you like akbar <laughs> mark bar whatever name so but if you mark if you bar. just take out the broom closet scene where the guy's listening to Brian's voice that one like it's completely unnecessary the rest of the episode works so much better and that's all I would change you're right I, I have a shame that I didn't even think of that you're right it's a, such a perfect that's yeah, such a person right? that fills out clears out some room for James to get more of his scenes in that he wanted well five seconds but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah no I I would have liked but that adds in like no you're right to add that in even when it's more you could even have made it more of a question of did O'Brien yeah, do that's this essentially yeah. that's the, that's, yeah. that's far more interesting than just like the connect the dots techno babble that you you know you feel like you're following because you already know that as a viewer you know the answer you saw the shenanigans in the broom closet that guy's dirty somehow yeah yeah isn't that a thing they do voyager i don't i've seen very little voyager but isn't there a character on voyager that was in multiple multiple episodes maybe for a whole season and then it turns out she was a cardassian yes oh yes spy 
Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't want to see this happen, but just like if the shock of watching this and you start, you introduce the Maquis and you've like, maybe, maybe introduce it later, but just O'Brien is a member of the Maquis. Like, and that's a thing. Like, if Colmini wanted off the show. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, right. That would have been like a shocking sort of turn of events. But, and, you know, and he comes back to Denise Crosby style every now and then and he's like a super villain. I'm glad they didn't do that because I don't particularly care for the Maquis. Of course. The yeah. Maquis as a Star Trek. Uh, I am too. I'm glad you say that, Hugh giving your hatred for O'Brien. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's great. Yeah. It would have been, you know, mm-hmm. in a different universe where that happened, I'd be like, oh my God, that was amazing television. But I'm glad that we got mm-hmm. the O'Brien that we ended up with. Yeah, we get to keep him here, yeah. But And then it just ends on a joke. Like every O'Brien Keiko episode has to like, he's like, oh, I'll come back. It's like, nope, we're sending you on vacation back to the lagoon. Oh, they were going to a lagoon. I, I miss that eventually. But mm-hmm. And then he's like, but I can pick up my reading materials in holocams. Nope, you have nothing to read. Hands on hips. <laughs> Nod. Uh, ha ha ha. Chuckle, chuckle. Do you know what they were going to do on their romantic lagoon? They were probably going to have a picnic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for such a heavy they episode, I felt like, come on, man, that's how we're gonna we're gonna throw out like on a mm-hmm. goofy. All right, fine. Yeah, no, no, I, I hate. Yeah, like that, I hate it. Like you think back, this was not a Peter Allen Fields episode. Let me just put it that way. Do we want to talk about rating? Yeah, just real quick. What do you guys think? Did you guys look or take a peek at the IMDb rating? I never did. I have not. Okay, no. um, eight point three. Point three. Eight point three for Wade. What do you think, James? <sighs> I don't think that that's wrong, but I want to go something different. So I'll go 8.1. Wow. You guys overshot a lot more than you thought. <laughs> I thought wow. I out, of I was like, five, oh, really? out of 566 votes, which is pretty high for, for they usually average about 530, 525, 7.5 out of 10. Uh, yeah. Really? I think that's probably about right. I think this could have been an 8.3 because I think it did touch on some interesting questions. You know what I mean? I think that there's some interesting material dealt with here. Yeah. Of course, it was wrapped up kind of sloppy and maybe it was kind of the central mystery was sort of sloppy, but I think there's some good stuff here. Uh, next week, we are dealing with the season two finale. Yep. Oh. Called the Jim Hadar. Yes. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a lot going it's on. About there. to get live, and yeah. I guess yeah, are we doing? I guess we're gonna do uh, probably after that. We'll do a wide album episode for season we two. We'll do our wide album. Yes. Oh right. Yeah. And then and then we're planning some other sort of yes. little things. So stay I guess. tuned for the other little yeah. things. Yes, <laughs> other little things. Yeah, this is a. This is a fine episode. I, like I, I just want to press on Like this is the dawn of interesting things to come, and starting next episode with the Jim Hadar is uh, pretty fun. All right, is that it? For it? Any other thoughts? I think we've talked enough. Well, right. I thought enough about it. <laughs> Ready to beam out? Beep. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod. And on Tumblr at the rules of acquisitionpodcast.tumblr.com. You think you want to see a Deep Space Nine reunion show? See all the great sites again here, the witty banner. But you know what you really want? You want to go back to the time when you first watched the show. You don't know that you are just going to realize that Alexis Bledel was always an awful actress that sadly time marches on even on Lauren Graham's face. Sure, you will marvel at Logan's chest or pretty much everything about Milo Ventimiglia, but do you need another reminder in your life that time is barreling down the tracks and unfortunately, 
your last stop is coming up soon. Some of this may have been about the Gilmore Girls.